Hey, thanks for joining this episode of Permitted with Conditions. I'm Sam the Intern, and let's get things started with part three of the interview with our guest, Becky McRae. Before we, we transition to touching on a few other topics, one of the last things I wanted to talk about relative to, uh, to, to Savior.town, you do a rural challenges survey. You've been doing it for several years. Maybe talk just a little bit about what that is and what kind of information you're gathering and what value then that, you know, what, what value that has to folks that are, are following uh, Savior.town. We started it in 2015 and it started with just asking, hey, what do you want? What do you want us to write about? What do you want to learn more about? And it started with the challenges because nobody needs you to write about the stuff that's going well. They're, it's going well. They're fine. So we started with those questions. Um, and then we've done it every other year since then. So 2015, 17, 19, 2021, and 2023. So 2019 and 2021 turned out to be a really interesting set of data there. Over 1,700 people have answered over the years. So we've got a lot of data now of what people think. And interestingly, on the most recent one from 2023, rural people were twice as likely to say they were optimistic about their community's future as they were to say they were negative. I was very interested to see, which may be some selection bias. The people who care about their communities are the ones who are likely to take that kind of survey. The challenges that we're seeing include that continuing lack of housing, inactive downtowns, population losses, the kind of things that you would expect to see as our challenges. For businesses, it's that lack of workers, the lack of support services, the lack of usable buildings, which does not get near enough attention, the competition from online, and then marketing is a huge challenge for rural businesses. I Housing is one of those questions that as soon as you bring it up right now, people go, yeah, housing. Originally, we first offered it in 2019 as one of the choices, and it was immediately in the top five. It's been the top number one in 2021 and 2023. So housing is a huge challenge because we've not been able to maintain our housing supply. More housing has fallen into disrepair or been removed. We also have smaller household sizes. And so we have a lot more one-person households sitting in a four-bedroom house. And so that is a challenge as well. Lack of childcare was newly offered this year and immediately in the top five. So this is one that we think is, is a strong indicator that there is a major issue with lack of child care. Now, and then workforce being in the top five in all four rounds of the survey, all five rounds of the survey is not a surprise either. But this was the first time need a usable building came into the top five. Now, most of that is not a surprise to anyone, that usable building maybe. But I think what's really interesting here is even though these are challenges in both rural and urban areas, there are rural aspects to each of these. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the assets that people listed, because we offer a, a question about poverty or crime and drug abuse, and that always ranks at the bottom or very near it. This is not what people are worried about. We're worried, we're worried about all those other things like losing people and our downtown is dead and there's no housing. And so those kind of issues draw a bigger share of people's attention, I think. Rural businesses told us about ways they were innovating. They talked about their innovative ideas that they were trying. They told us about their up-to-date marketing techniques they were using. And, and while kind of the traditional economic development focus focuses on jobs, that is one of the least mentioned thing on the survey. People mentioned the available jobs. They talked about good jobs at least as often as mentioning lack of jobs or low-paying jobs. So there's two sides to to that. You know, people talk about the, the lack of small business lending in rural areas, and we hear of program after program being announced to help with small business lending. And I'm not saying we don't need lending, but I am going to tell you that more people tell us they have trouble finding a building they can use than tell us they have trouble finding a loan. 
both of those are choices on the survey. They always either tie or buildings have, and buildings are now in the top five, loans are not. So this is, this is really interesting. People, businesses, let's look at assets. Let's go look at it. Do you want to ask about the challenges before I talk about assets? Yeah. I mean, you know, the workforce challenge, we hear yeah. that a lot, regardless of where you're at, you know, and some folks will say that it's, you know, we simply don't have enough workforce. Some folks will say, well, the workforce that's out there are these millennials and they don't show up for work. They don't care about working, you know, and then Gen X. And they used to say that about us too. I'm yeah, just saying. Exactly. <laughs> I've heard the same thing about my, my generation, but then, you know, you, you also have some out there that, you know, the, the, the mismatch between skills yeah. and, and the lack of transferable skills in some cases from one job to the next. And, and you know, perhaps workforce in those cases is more of a training issue. But from your experience working with some of these smaller communities, I mean, because you're working with what I would call the smaller of the small, what are, when you divide that workforce challenge up, what, what are a few of the kind of more, I guess, areas of emphasis of where they're struggling the most for workforce? This is a good question. And I used to work in workforce development around 20, 2000, year 2000. And what's interesting to me is all the issues that you just listed, the mis mismatch of skills, the absolute lack of people, the the lack of re reliable people who will show up in, on time and work. And these are the same complaints we heard in the year 2000, 2001, 2002. So if it's been 20 years and the same complaints are coming from the same employers, then it's going to be time for some trying of some different ideas. Like we can take action on these things now. A lot about the nature of work has changed. So I find it fascinating that the complaints about workforce are still the same complaints about workforce from 20 years. So there's a lot to unpack around how we generate our workforce, how we train our workforce. And I want to refer to some things. I was at this year, the Teeny Tiny Town Summit in Oklahoma, one of my favorite event names, the Teeny Tiny Town Summit. And so they had a, a panel on workforce. And so the Technical Center talked about how they offer five certificates programs for post-secondary. So they have like a CDL program for commercial drivers. They have an LPN program. They have a wind technology, wind technician for wind power support because we're, this is Western Oklahoma. They, there are those kind of jobs. They also do a, a, a program with the schools. And this is probably most of what I'm hearing of rural areas trying cool things is they're working with different levels of education, working together, and then working, connecting to employers. So I think this is the most innovative thing I hear, which is connecting employers to schools and then schools to other levels of education. So if we can bring all three of those pieces together, then we've got it. There was a speaker named Joe Cox who was from the Oklahoma Department of Commerce. He's working with the apprenticeship program. He works with businesses to help them set up licensed apprenticeships that lead to transferable skills. So, you know, these are things that can be done. The Oklahoma Regents for Higher Education that work with the regional university system are doing micro-credentials, at least nine credit hours that are specific career skills. And they're working with all the educational, the, the university and colleges in the entire state, which there's a number of them, to create these nine-hour career credentials. And then uh, Ponca City, Liz Leeming from Ponca City, Oklahoma, has uh, worked with their program of connecting. It's called the Wildcat Internship. They work within the schools one to three hours a day at an employer. So junior and senior students at the high school can go and spend one to three hours a day at an employer. 30% of those are paid jobs. 10% of them get hired immediately and then work there. They had 108 participate this past year. And then they help 
standardize all of the education and career players in Ponca City on using a single evaluation tool. So how stupid is it that it's 2023 when we are recording this, probably 2024 when you are listening to it, and we still have areas where we have not standardized on a single evaluation tool for what are the skills that people have that they can use in jobs. So if you don't have that established in your community, now's the time to do it. And one last little tidbit from Liz from Ponca City was their internship program lagged. No one participated until because those the two teachers and educators did not have capacity to add another program to the schools. So what happened is Ponca Works, which is the name of one of their development authorities, hired a dedicated staffer to work those internships and to connect the students to the employers and then to the other levels of education. So that's the kind of interesting and and innovative kind of things that are being done. But a lot of it is pretty foundational because I will tell you, in terms of that, like having a standardized evaluation tool for workforce, that's something we worked on in 2021, 2001, 2002 for all of Northwest Oklahoma. So it's 20 years later, we're still working on meeting these foundational challenges of of treating our workforce as a serious issue. So there's a lot of work to be done around workforce. Yeah, and, and I want to build off that for just, just a moment. Because I think this is a great uh, topic of discussion. You know, you mentioned the internship program, and I, I'm familiar with, because I was a part of, of some some planning and some development associated with it in Southeast uh, Iowa. Uh, but really the state of Iowa now has kind of a, a state clearinghouse for those type of intern programs for students to be able to get you know, basically students are put into, you know, consulting teams uh, and, and they're working with companies on specific kind of problems or tasks or challenges. And they're, they're coming up with, you know, great solutions, either using technology or come, you know, thinking about different ways in which business can do things. And, you know, at least the, some of the examples I'm familiar with, you had, you know, students that, you know, in, in essence, it was kind of like the employer was a college and they were looking at, you know, the high school football team and, and they're seeing these students and they're like, man, that is a four star student. I need that that student on my team. And, you know, you, you even saw cases where companies were offering, uh, you know, folks the ability to go from high school to, uh, you know, even a full time position in those companies with the company paying for their continued education, whether it be a two year or four year program or getting some certificates or something like that. So I, I think that's really important because in one of the challenges, and I, I'm sure you've heard it for, for a long time too, and I, I hear it when I work with small communities, is our kids leave and go to college and they don't come back. Mm-hmm. And that, that thing in, in my mind, that aspect of exposing students to the businesses in the community or in the region, right. in my mind is so invaluable because they actually see themselves as having an opportunity there, right? Mm-hmm. They, they see the types of jobs that are available. Like maybe they want to go get involved in, you know, I want to go work in cybersecurity. And they go off to college in Illinois and they get a degree and they stick around the Chicago area working in cybersecurity because they don't realize that, you know, there's a network of, you know, small hometown local banks that they could go back to work in the Midwest at. And, and work from their hometown and do the same thing, you know? And so if they have the opportunities to see that and see themselves as, as you know, wow, I can, 
I can come back to my community because there is something there for me. I think that's a big, big factor in all this workforce discussion. I agree. Liz talked about there was a kid who was really interested in forensic, forensic science because they'd been watching so many forensic science shows on TV, wanted to, to do that kind of thing. However, Liz said, that's actually one of the massively underemployed fields where people get degrees in that. And then there's absolutely no opportunities locally in Fairview, Oklahoma, or in Ponca City, Oklahoma. But what she did is took that particular kid and redirected them to microbiology, where they were able to work for, you know, you still get to do a lot of the same skills of, you know, you're working with microscopes and you're dealing with like, what can we do with this evidence and put pieces together. And so taking those same set of skills, they're working for a local pet food manufacturer. And I wanted to add one other piece, which is Tony Ghidros from San Sabatec. Texas, told me that they had more than half of their students in their schools were considered at risk, either because English was not their first language, their grades were poor, they had risk factors at home, so they were considered at risk. And trying to figure out what these kids could do, Tony brought together the Blue Collar Career Fair. And so he talked to all these local employers and said, what can kids do without a college degree? And so this included a lot of relatively well-paying jobs, welding, dirt moving and, and earthworks, uh, the electricians were there, right? So they just turn out all of these blue collar careers and they come for a day of hands-on demonstrations, no lectures, no lectures. Come in, the electrician is helping you learn to strip wire. They had, the kids could see and touch and probably drive a little uh, skid steer loader. And that kind of thing helps kids see their future in the community in a way that no lecture can, and, and the, a way that's often neglected. Kids don't know what opportunities exist in their community. So the kind of internships that Ponca City is doing. The hospital in Fairview, Oklahoma, was also at Teeny Tiny Town and talked about their internship program. And they have an IT intern, just like you talked about Kid Goes, and they have an IT staffer who's been there for years. They take on an intern each year and help them gain hands-on experience in before they go. And so now they also know another opportunity in their community. So anything you can do to bring together those three players so that kids connect with what actually exists in their community you'll do a better job of retaining your young people. Yeah, far better than like when I was younger in, in, in my life. And you, you take like a, a test that ans asks you a bunch of questions, you answer them and it spits out this thing like, oh, you, you want to be a lawyer. And it's like, but do I? Do I really? Yeah. So nothing against lawyers. Uh, we we work with a lot of them. In, took in the, the same tests. And because I'm a farm kid, more or less, and like my dad was a mechanic, like I aced the mechanical side. They're like, you should totally go into something mechanical. I'm like, no words. I work with words. This is what I do is communication. So it's uh, the tests are okay, but they're not the ending point of helping your kids find yeah, something they, they want you, to do. Yeah, they don't tell you what what's really available around you. They may tell Absolutely. you what the job market generally looks like, right? But, That's a good. But they point. don't say like you know like oh well they're you know here's these three employers in town and these three employers all have uh, needs for those types of you know skilled employees uh, yeah. or people with that type of education. So 